1: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Now, there is a very famous scripture that you have heard on my lips quite often. Me using to emphasize certain aspects of our Christian lives, especially in the aspect of faith and the spirit impressed it on my heart to really take some time and break down this scripture to elucidate to you know bring together all these parts and paint the full counsel or revelation of this understanding because many of us when you know there are many things we say and because you repeat them over and over before people they sort of in familiarity continue to carry that ambiguity, the unclear meaning of things, but you know it. And some things, once they're over repeated, they can, you know, become like their truth. They can come off as truth. You know, it's like when you meet people who always say statements like, there is no smoke without fire, you know, and they're using that to accuse another person. And that is spoken so long that that African proverb has become sort of a biblical truth. But when you read the Bible, we have seen smoke without fire. We have seen fire that is not consuming. Yes, yeah, so, you know. So you ask the person, but have you read this in scripture or it's your mind and it's entirely there? mind? It becomes a stronghold in somebody's head. But also, the things that are spoken true, if they are not fully revealed to you, you might carry a shallow or an inferior understanding and exercise yourself in things one day in the very truth or realities only to fail and get frustrated that's why you hear people say but I pray but I believe and I confess this portion of the scriptures, why is it that I have not seen the answers that I've been praying to God for well truly you have not come to the full understanding you have not been revealed to the full counsel over things full cancer of the thing. The way of faith and the Bible says that with my mind I serve the law of God. With my mind I serve the law of God. This faculty here is one of the most powerful things given to man. This thing here. This thing here. Paul says I serve with the mind myself the law of God. Because it's the reconciling channel between the physical and the spiritual. We all know the Bible tells us that the things which you see were not made of things which do appear. Everything in its physical representation has a spiritual foundation. The creative faculties of the world, physical world, are not seen or visible. They are in the world you don't see. Yes, salvation is a wonderful phase of your life or step Because it introduces you to that world. When you become born again, you enter the spirit realm. The Bible says we live in the spirit. Because we are born again. You're born not of flesh, blood, not the will of man, but the will of God. When you became born again, you enter the spirit realm. So it's a wrong teaching. It's an error for somebody to say, I want to teach you how to enter the spirit realm. You cannot teach a person who is living in the spirit to enter the spirit because they are spirit beings. When you become born again, that world was fully activated and you were given all right and privilege by the word of God to be able to exercise yourself through the way of faith because faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. You see? So the way of faith is to tap into that world and learn to walk there. We are to teach Christians how to walk in the spirit. Not to live. Living. The moment you become born again, you live in the spirit. You live in the spirit. Now, back to this love of God. This love of God is a mystery of faith. How to serve faith? Because many of us use the word application. I'm expressing my faith. I'm applying my faith. But many of us don't have the full understanding or the reality of serving the way of faith. One of the most important aspects this experience is knowing how to work with your mind in Genesis the Bible speaks of how they were building an edifice but the Bible tells us that it was not according to the will or leading of God they just wanted to make themselves a name if you read this dispensation it was a fallen dispensation Babylon Babylon or Babel meaning confusion so it was a confused dispensation. People which were disconnected from the will and purposes of God. But they decided to build. The Bible says they were of one language and one speech. And God looked at them and he went down and said, look, these people have become one being of one language and speech. And nothing then, they imagined to do shall be restrained from them nothing shall be restrained from them which they imagine to do. These people are not in relationship with God. They're not praying or fasting or doing whatever principles you're applying yourself to. But because they have the same language and speech, the power of imagination can do anything. God said, let them just imagine it. They will do it. That's just how much power a human being has. So I always ask questions to Christians for us to really ponder and think. So how much more you who have a relationship with God? How much more you who has a relationship with God? If these people of a fallen world would do this, and I see that the challenge here is that we have not yet defined the language of the new birth and the speech of the new birth. Some people have the speech of the new birth, but they don't understand the language of the new birth, the mystery of the new creation. If you understand that language, it's amazing what you can do. Because many a time I look at how, you know, people do or leave. Christians leave, And I have seen, I've, I've been around places where people are preaching what they suppose is the gospel. And they're teaching people how many curses are on you, how many generational spirits are following you from your bad line, four or five generations back and how you need to break them. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not the language of the new creation. They have not yet come to the full understanding of the truth. You know, the pendulum swings between those two. Who wills that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? So we have people which are saved, but they have not come to the knowledge of the truth. Bible says, if any man, listen to the language, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold! All things, generational curses are passed away and behold, all things are become new. And the next line says, and all things are of God, which has reconciled us to himself by Jesus and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. That's deep language. Now, in our language, you cannot say curse. Galatians says Christ has redeemed us from the curse, being made a curse. For it is written, curse is one that hangeth on a tree. Christ has delivered you from any curse. Do you know what it means to be delivered from any curse? I don't care what your families, 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 your progenitors did. You are free from any generational curse. Can we say that that's an experience of every Christian? No. Why? Because they don't know. That's why for those who don't know, we rebuke them. We cast out those spirits that believe in deliverance for such people. But only to a place where after I have cast out all these devils, I can take them to a place of knowing the truth. Because if I don't teach them the knowledge of this truth, they're always going to go back and regress into the very bondage that you're them out. That's why you see people who are always moving in circles, church to church, ministry to ministry, trying to rebuke things that will never leave. Why? Because they don't understand the language and the speech. Some know the speech, like many of us who have sat under me for a long time. You know the speech, but very few of you have really mastered the language of the kingdom. And if the speech and language are not yet reconciled, it means that your thought pattern is not yet aligned. Hallelujah. Many times we find that the reason why our faith is not effectual is because we don't know how this works and what this can do to you. Now, firm scripture and the foundation of my teaching this afternoon. Jonah chapter 2, verses 8. And I want everybody who can read to read it. One, two, three, let's go. They that observe lying vanities, forsake their own mercy. Read it again. They that observe lying vanities, forsake their own Yes. I want to take some time to help us unpack how deep this portion of scripture is. You see, again, if I go back to language, I have said this once or twice or thrice. When we are speaking in languages like English, English is an inferior language to the original languages used to write your Bible. English is third-dimensional for most of the part. It bears no marks of originality because it borrows from Greek, from Latin, from French, from German. It borrows from many, many languages to become its own language. So in its own, it's not as liturgic as the languages it borrows from. Many languages are richer than your English you're speaking, but because some of you were colonized by the British, you think it's the only language in the world. So even in biblical translation, I have found, and that's why I've been an ardent student of the original texts. I have studied the Bible in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. I tried to find out the Bible calls them those hard sentences to know what did the writer imply when they say this portion of scripture. Yes, my English translated it this much because this is how far English would go. But how far then does Aramaic take me? How far then does the Greek language is about fifth or sixth dimension or no language take me? How far does Aramaic or Hebrew, which is ninth dimensional and probably even more than that take me? What's the meaning of this text according to the writer and the eyes through which the sacred language spoke. This is important. Because you cannot get the full counsel without understanding the language. So if I say they that observe lying vanities for set their own masses, you could understand it from the surface of the English that I'm speaking. Or my mother tongue, Luganda, which is such language is even 2 dimension. you know. But let's understand what the writer wrote. And I cannot Emphasize this without defining some key words here, especially, I think, one most importantly, this word called observe. Let's define this word observe as it is written in the Hebrew. The word observe is the word translated shoma, shoma, shoma. And let me explain what shoma is. Shoma means to attend to something. So I could say, They that attend to lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Shoma means to be circumspect. Shoma means to be aware. So I can say, those that are aware of lying vanities forsake their own mercy. It also means to mark. So I can say, they that mark lying vanities. It also means... To observe, to preserve, to regard, to reserve. But there's this word here, to look narrowly upon. So it says, They that look narrowly upon lying vanities forsake their own mercies. These are people who take time to intricately examine and study lying vanities. The idols that are built in the minds of men which do not know God. What is a lying vanity? It's anything that has taken the place and opinion of God in your life. It becomes the God of your life in the stead of Jehovah. Anything that takes the place of the opinion the mind, the language, the truth that your God has given and it acts or expresses itself negatively or contrary to the truth given in scripture, that is a lying vanity. Let me give you a simple example. Let's study this thing called language first. When you come to divine health, right? Or oh, healing. What is the language of the new birth? First Peter 2.24, he says, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins, he didn't say might, he didn't say could, he didn't say may. Listen to the language. He said, should live and do righteousness. So, Living unto righteousness is an inheritance of the new birth. It's not a will. It's not a might. It's not circumstantial. It's a fixed mark. It's linear. It's established. You should live unto righteousness. When you become born again, you are the righteousness of God. You understand? That we should live unto righteousness. And once you understand that should, he says, by his stripes you were healed. Then you should understand what it means to live as a righteousness of God. He says, by his stripes ye were healed. So if you understand that you are the righteousness of God, you will not be healed when you seek. That's not the language of the new birth. Should live unto righteousness. You see there's a full column there. By whose stripes you he were healed. Because you're living as a righteous one. You're living unto righteousness. He says, by his stripes ye were healed. So the language of the new birth is, we were healed. So you might feel sick. You will have circumstances that express that. You will see signs and symptoms. The doctors will give you papers and reports. The machines will read differently. Everything else will express itself as it would want to, but it does not change the reality that ye were healed. Now, when you are praying, when we are praying for the sick, sometimes we pray for people who have not yet understood this language. So we tell them God is going to heal you or you will be healed, right? But for those of you who understand this language, ye were healed, we're simply manifesting what you already had by Christ. Did you get it? Now, if you understand the language of we were healed, Now you understand why when he invites us into the world of Zion, he says, he are come unto Zion, the city of the living God. That's a heavenly experience. It's a rank in the spirit for every new creature. He says, he are come unto Mount Zion. Not physical. It's not a mountain that can be touched, but it's a spiritual Mountain. He says, unto the city of the living God, a heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. This is where you are. Now he said, when you enter Zion as an experience of the new birth, he said, none, the prophet says, among them which live in Zion shall say, I am sick. Isaiah the inhabitants shall not say I am sick For the people that dwell therein shall be forgiven of their iniquity. He's saying if your iniquity is forgiven you cannot say I am sick. This is a language issue. It's not a circumstantial issue. Somebody may say but, but I'm, I'm sick. I'm still sick. I feel the pain. So why would you say that I'm not sick? Why shouldn't I tell people what I'm feeling? I'll be lying to say I'm, I'm not sick yet I'm feeling sick. Oh, that means you are not yet renewed in your mind. That means you cannot serve the law of God. If no inhabitant in Zion can say you are sick, you know why you cannot say you're sick? Because by his stripes, ye were healed, right? So you could come with a sickness. So this is, okay, let me just give you an example. You woke up one day huh, and you saw a little growth on your right hand. by reason of every law that God has aligned for the new creature that swelling is nothing isn't it because ye were healed isn't it then you look at it and you're like you start scratching it smell it Then you get a magnifying glass. Hmm. You're narrowly looking upon. Are you following me, Shalika? Then you go on Google. Dr. Google. Swelling on right hand. About four millimeters in circumference. And Google is not kind. It will first begin from the worst such possible sign of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> then you start working backward. If it's not, what would it be? You start searching. But every disease it's bringing out is more dangerous than the previous. You understand what I'm saying? You are observing a lying vanity. You're forsaking every law designed by God to preserve you in that danger. But what makes this so rich, the Hebrew, Shoma, it also means now, listen, this is harder. Generally, to protect. It means to guard. It means, listen, to preserve or reserve. Even deeper, it also means to hedge about as with thorns. Now, let me explain this. You remember when Job is testified of by God? God tells Satan when Satan comes to the presence tells him, have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, and one that feareth God and skeweth evil. And then Satan asks him, God, does he fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? And you've blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. You've put a hedge about him. He has a blessing on his life because you see, they are generically, uh, deliberate blessings by God for all who believe. There are also those blessings that are available for those who don't even believe. There's that which is generic for all men, it gives rain. And the sun, it rises up on the righteous and the unrighteous. But there's also that which, by elevation of who you are as a new creature, there are generally those graces that are available as blessing. But there's also a third level kind, a third dimension of this world called blessing, which by distinction comes upon a man and separates you from the rest. That's what Job had. The Bible says he was the greatest man in the East. Now there are many great men, but Job was the greatest. That's another level of blessing. Okay, There's that which is for all men, generically. There's that which is for all who are in covenant with God, generically. But there's that which is distinct for certain individuals in line with their purposes, assignment on the earth, and their positioning. Job was the greatest of all men in the East. Now if there were seven men like Job, then this place would not be defined clearly of him. But the Bible says he was the greatest. There's something that put him above all you defined as great. That's distinction. He says the secret of the Lord was upon my tabernacle. His candle burned on my head. There was something I knew that nobody knew and it made me different job was a different man that was another level but the scriptures tell us he hedged he was hedged in there was a hedge around him and it lived for so long on job that at one particular point when job broke that hedge satan did not check because he always thought that hedge was there consistently or constantly but if you read the scriptures if you have some of you who have been listening to this have preached about this job broke that hedge of his life Now, Satan tells God, how can I touch him except this hedge is off? Then God opens Satan's eyes and tells him, "Uh -uh, look, you watch this fellow. Behold, all that he has is in your power. That's not implying that God opened the hedge of Job because he does not tempt with evil, neither is he tempted by evil. He couldn't have been tempted by Satan to hack Job. Neither can he tempt man with evil. Neither would he have done this to Job. But he told, he simply opened a certain consciousness, a certain reality to the devil. That, oh, by the way, that guy's head has been opened. You just didn't know. See? But with that head around Job, Satan did not have access to him. And I want you to follow this. Satan did not have access where Job was. But the Bible says it was not only on Job. It was around everything and everybody that was in his life. Every side of him was so it's possible for God to put a protection even on the shoe you're wearing. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. For God to put a hedge on everything to say, this is her wig. They can't steal it because it's her wig. Come on now. That's where Job was. Now, That means anything hedged in by principle and divine law is intended not to be touched or affected by any external circumstances. Only its operation is undergarded from all things within it. Now, this is how rich Hebrew is. Let's go back to the text. He says, those that put hedges, and this hedge is with thorns, The one defined here, Shomar, has stones to it so it can prick anybody trying to come to help it. Those who put hedges around lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Meaning, when you look upon this swelling, you're putting a hedge of protection around it such that nobody interrupts its propagation, its germination, its growth. Who has understood what I just said? The moment you continue observing this and say, ah, this could be cancer. That means you're throwing away every opportunity in the jurisdictions of divine salvation. Anything that was designed by God to come to rescue you, if it was cancer, if it was an incurable disease, you have put thorns around this swelling. You have allowed it and given it all the conducive nutrients for its growth. You are providing for its propagation and its multiplication. What will happen? It will surely grow. If it was cancer, it will surely grow because you are looking narrowly. It's like if they gave me this paper and they told me, look narrowly on this document. I wouldn't just read the words. That's surface. I would look at where the fold is, where every scratch is. Beyond the numbers and letters, I'd look at the texture of it and look to the subatomic content of it just to make sure that I have narrowly looked at it. And some of you, your issues are exactly like that. You narrowly look upon Let me give you an example. Somebody comes to you crying. Oh, 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 apostle. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. What are you tired of? I'm 49 and I'm not married. You can't be crying like that and you've not taken time to narrowly, narrowly examine your marital destiny and build a stronghold in your head that you are unable to get married. You see what I'm saying? Because I can see by your countenance and how you express yourself about it. You're a tired person who has believed God for marriage since 25 and that marriage has not come. So you have looked, you examine everything and then they even start to say, Even my sisters are not married. In fact, my mother's marriage also failed. I also have a cousin who has just come out. You are narrowly examining. But what are you doing? You're not just looking upon, but you are preserving. You've put thorns around your marital destiny. You're continuing to frustrate every effort of God to come through for you. Why? Because every time you come, into the presence of an anointing. That's the first thing you think has to be fixed because you imply it hasn't been fixed. That is observing a lying vanity. You will frustrate or forsake your own mercy. The grace and provision heaven has designed for your deliverance. So some of you are protecting diseases. Literally everything you take attention to, you're simply saying, Angels, don't touch. Holy Spirit, shoo, shoo, shoo. Jesus Christ, don't speak. Don't talk about my pain. And you'll notice many of those people, even their talk is the same. It stops to be sickness. It becomes their sickness. You know my disease, when it rains, yeah, because, yeah, it's hedged, it's yours. You know my... My temper. Accept me as I am. I'm a hot tempered person. No! Somebody's on fire. Why weren't you hot tempered at birth? Why didn't you punch your mother? Good and perfect gifts come from God. You are not born hot tempered. You pick that demon along the way. And instead of dealing with it, you're putting stones and hedges around it, preserving and protecting it generally. Also, I need prayers. Every business I do dies. That's so much attention to study how every business failed. You even built a pattern. Huh? I did it in 1996. I I worked with a gentleman called Sebo Wow. That business failed. And then I had a business partner somewhere in Britain. And then we did some businesses together. We were selling fish. It failed. And then now I'm tired. I just want you to pray for me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I going to enter something? You've put thorns around. How do I know? You have been observing every failure of your life. And do you know women are more susceptible to this? I'm not saying this to offend. Because you are quick in grasping abstract ideas. Women can draw pictures quickly. If I say a plate of chicken, a woman here in this room can define it quicker. Because while you have defined your plate, for me, I'm still asking myself, is it... uh, local chicken or a braila? A man is trying to first understand what is it fried? Is it uh, roasted? Does it come with Irish potatoes? Does it come with soup? Now that's a man. Women, they already know what they want. (laughs) You understand? You are conception beings. Concept. You idealize quicker. If you tell a woman, marriage, 90% of women here are already in their head, they are walking with her. 90% of you, they are already walking with her. even the married have gone back on their door of marriage, they are walking, oh, those who are divorced or single, they have already created the world, where well, they are already, when you say marriage, she already knows the, the gown, where, which kind of flowers, her theme colors, that's just how you, that's how God made, like. when you tell a man, marriage, you say, huh? <laughs> because you are conceiving beings, that's why you have a womb. Seed, Luke 8-11 which is the one, enters your womb, and then you interpret the concept. That's how God has created you. So that means you're more susceptible to this attack than men are. That is why when Satan was tempting man, he knew where to go. Go to the one who can capture the vision fast. She'll get it quicker than this ninja. And once she gets it, the Bible says, she gave him to eat. Then, pray for us. How do you just eat? Adam, what were you thinking? Adam was still loading files. Loading. If is in download complete. That's why your helpers suited. Because while I'm still downloading, you've completed. but it also makes you dangerous here because it means you observe quicker you see things quicker everything is not shallow, it's not surface you tell a woman I love you, you mean you want to marry her, you understand (laughs) that's not what all men mean I promise you, trust me men help me has already completed the the download. (laughs) So, whatever you think and feed on and look on narrowly, you are putting hedges around it to make sure nobody interrupts its germination. Surely, as a man thinker, so Not so does it become. No, you are already what you're thinking even before it manifests. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your account, but if you think right now that you're a billionaire in dollars, you actually are. You're not just assuming it. You're not just trying to convince yourself, but if you are convinced that you're a billionaire, you actually are. And it doesn't matter whether you're a billionaire or a millionaire in dollars, if you think you're actually poor, you are actually poor. Where your mind goes, you will eventually go one day. That's just how it works. This is important. Are you seeing how powerful this is? Now, can I tell you how many strongholds are in this room? How many things you have been asking about? I've prayed about this thing for years. I've fasted about this. Why is it changing? Very simple. You not only are looking narrowly, considering circumspect, aware of it, marking it, observing it, but you are also building stones or hedges around it to make sure that whatever help heaven has sent for your redemption, it shouldn't come in to interrupt the process of what Satan has planted in your life. How rich this language is. Who is understanding what I'm saying? That is why God has separated the circumstances you go through and who you are he doesn't say that one day there was an adulterous woman because that would mean he's also hedging you into adultery and that's not the thought of God he said there was a woman taken in adultery, that's the language he says one day there was a man born in Lystra this was a man born in Lystra comma, important in his feet comma, being crippled from his mother's womb who never had walked. But you see, it began with a man. He didn't say one day in Lystra was a crippled man. Or one day in Lystra was a lame man. The Bible did not call them a lame man. The Bible did not call this man a crippled man. It says there was a man, comma, who was crippled. Because God knows the danger of putting you in the same sentence of failure and negative language never let anybody or anything put you in that kind of language. You could be here and you're dealing with barrenness. You're just a woman dealing with barrenness. You're not a barren woman. You're not a barren woman. This is important for you to know. Because the moment you get into that, you accept your identity to the nature of that predicament and you become one. And that's an example of somebody who has been separated from God. That's what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 5. He asks them a question. He says, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? What wrong have your father seen in me that they have gone far from me they have separated from me the bible in the new testament speaks of being alienated from the life of god he says what iniquity have i done to them that they have gone far away from me and have walked after vanity and are become vanity because every time you continue observing cancer you become cancer you become what you continue to observe and follow after. And every time you are pursuing, you know, lying vanities, the Bible says you are separating yourself and going further and farther away from God. And so you stop looking like that nature, and you start to look like the thing you're observing most. You cease being a woman which is unmarried, and you start becoming an unmarried woman. And because they are all vanity, Jeremiah later says in another portion of scripture, he says because they are all vanity, the Bible says they become the work of errors. They become the work of errors. You become the work of errors. That means the total sum of your life is a life of mistakes. Everything about you is an error. You look like you married wrong, produced the wrong kids, went to the wrong school, did the wrong business, are in the wrong ministry, doing the wrong profession. Everything around you becomes wrong. And in the day of visitation, whenever God should come in to help you, he says, they perish. Why? Because there's a hedge that can't allow him to intervene. Even when help is available, even if you sat under the deepest teacher, the most accurate prophet, this thing cannot work. And then some now start blaming, it's the apostle, it's that man of God, I, it's this this guy, I think if I go to this pastor, if I listen to this guy things will change, I promise you you're going to roam the world and you'll wake up one day and you're 60, nothing changed, you'll only be a poor 60 year old, not a 60 year old taken in poverty are you following what I'm saying? the more you go after vanity the more you become it. Because you are disconnecting from the image of God. You're darkening your understanding. You're blinding your heart because of the ignorance in you. That's why Paul tells them, don't be like the Gentiles. Do not walk. The what there is walking. He didn't say living. He said walking. That means you're walking in the spirit, but you're walking in a fallen thread. He says, as the Gentiles walk." In the vanity of their mind. Uh huh. Next line. Having the understanding Dakim being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You start to look like the fallen world. You start to look like the Gentiles. You start to look like one who doesn't know God. Refuse. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, somebody. You can tell by your attitude in a thing. Why are you weeping over your child every week? Because my child is failing. Yes, but what does the Bible say? Has God called you to sorrow? No. The Bible says in Isaiah 12, verses 3, Therefore ye shall with joy draw out of the wells of salvation salvation is supposed to be a place of drawing out with joy if you do not have the joy of salvation you have not yet understood the language of prayer that is why the bible says even when we are crying out the bible says we cry out in the bliss abba father we don't just say abba father no romans 8 15 the amplified version he says for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery To put you once more in bondage to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption. He says. The spirit producing sonship. In the sorrow. No. He says in the bliss. The word there bliss. For those who don't know English. It's happiness or joy. In the bliss of which we cry. Abba father. In other words. When you come in the presence of your father. You don't come saying. Oh God. My brother. I didn't know. That's narrowly looking. That's attending to a line Vanity. That's you giving attention to what is not the will and purpose of God. God is saying, even though you have the worst circumstances in your marriage, go and say, Father, I thank you. (laughs) And then be filled with tears of joy because your marriage is working. The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. Very few people have understood this but somebody has got in it and by the end of service you will all get it he says you shall go out with joy and you shall be led by peace and when you are led by peace he says the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands Everything around you will testify that you're a victor. Why? Because the Bible says thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph and he makes manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. Refuse to be served. Refuse to cry. You remember when Hagar had put aside Ishmael in the desert, they were thirsty and she thought that they were going to die. God comes to Hagar and tells us "Stop crying." God has had the land because God didn't want you to cry. I went to Israel years ago and I go to this wall they call Wailing Wall. It's a wailing wall. And almost 80% of the people I found on that wall were actually wailing without revelation. Many of them were Judistic believers which don't even believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's Israel for you. About 73 to 78% is Judaism. 13% is Islam. Christianity in Israel is 1.9%. That's how far they don't know Christ. You understand? That's why you need to pray for that nation. Pray for them to know God. And in part, I think the challenges they will find in future is because they're rejecting God. Recently, I don't know that some of you followed, this year, some guys in parliament had started to want to bring a law to ban Christianity in Israel. Oh, what a mistake. What a mistake. To ban Christianity. These are the words. You remember I prophesied this three years ago. That Israel is going to get in trouble. If you reject God, you see, so pray for their salvation. Because God has told us to pray for Israel. And you know, sometimes I've flown to Asia and this is the thing that shocks me most. You find people, Christians in Asia, practicing Judaistic culture. They cheat, the teachings of Judaism, which reject the coming of Christ and they call it worship. Can I offend you a bit? I don't know whether some people ask themselves, why St. Paul or Peter or Jesus never blew chauffeurs? I don't know if they ask. When they are sofas, why didn't Paul get a shofar? <laughs> Holy Spirit. <gasps> you understand? Now I know I'm offending some of them, but it's because it's a tradition in their head. Let me tell you, you get shofar blowers and get us who don't blow them and bring lame people, blind people. You'll see power. Raw. <laughs> Raw. God now dwells in the inside of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is the mystery that was hid from the ages past and now revealed. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Do you need to bless a sofa for the spirit of God to move? When Christ, your real life is in you and you are hidden in Christ. I know it's offensive, but they don't yet know the truth. The Peters were not healing with Shophers, they were healing with shadows. Pauls, they released handkerchiefs and aprons going on the sick. Somebody thinks that when they eat more greens and some fish, they'll become more righteous. Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness for everyone that believes. When I'm among them, I blow it but I'm just trying to be among them that I might self-serve. <laughs> you can become all things. It's wisdom. I can blow it. But that doesn't mean that because I'm blowing the shofar, blind eye will open. No. Blind eyes don't open because of those things. They open because of faith in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Have you learned something? Stop observing blind like vanities. In the story of Joseph, if you remember Genesis 37, verses 31. Let me get a bit back to help some of us understand. So Jacob has children in a lady called Leah, which is a first sister, and then Rachel. And the firstborn of Rachel is who? Joseph. Remember, Rachel was a barren woman for many years. When she gave birth of Joseph, she says in her own words, the Lord has delivered me from shame, from reproach. Joseph was a sign that God had delivered a woman from reproach. He had delivered Rachel from shame. And she named him Joseph, meaning God adds, Jehovah adds. He's an adding God. He's not a God who takes away. He adds. He doesn't take away. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yes. The Lord shall add to me. He won't take away from me a son. He will always add to me a son. This is the name Joseph. So Joseph is a sign of not taking away. He's a sign of addition. And then the Bible says, the father loved him much. That's what the Bible says. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. But he didn't just do that because he loved him. It was a spiritual thing. He saw something on this boy. That's why the Amplified Bible writes it so well. He says, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. It doesn't say Jacob. It says Israel. He's talking of a spiritual man, not a physical. Loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a what? Read the word. A distinctive tonic. So he knew that this boy was of distinction. He saw something in him for the preservation of the posterity of his lineage. Distinction again. Distinction again. You remember when I about distinction? What made Joseph different? Not only is he the son that defines addition, but he's also a distinctive voice in the house of Jacob. Remember, Jacob is the father of 12 tribes. Now, they get the distinction. The voice of addition and sell it. They think they're trading a brother because of envy, but they're literally positioning him to the sale of his destiny. The Bible says in verses 31, chapter 37, Genesis, they get Joseph's coat. Now this is going to be amazing. They get his coat, killed a kid of the gods, and dipped the coat in the blood, and they sent the coat of many colors, and brought it to their father and said this we have found know whether it be thy son's court or not, that's all they said they didn't suggest anything, they didn't tell him anything, they didn't even put in their father any impression they just told him look at this court and tell us whether it's your son's court that's all but listen Verses 33 and he observed it he knew it, he took time looked at the tapestry. He looked at the design. He looked at the colors. What was he doing? Observing who? Was he observing Joseph's blood or God's blood? You got it. You got it. So he observes. And after observing, listen to the words he says. It is my son's court. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without Doubt rent in pieces. This is a termination letter. Without doubt, they are going to chase me out of that house. Oh, ho, ho. this is a divorce letter. Without doubt, my marriage has ended. I'm going to look exactly like my three sisters and my mother. He put a hedge around him, and Jacob rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days and all his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him but he refused to be comforted and said I will go down into the grave and to my son mourning his father wept and I tell you something read the scriptures from that day when Jacob observed God's blood instead of the promises God had spoken over him his progenitors and his seed God never spoke to him again until Joseph appeared heaven became silent no oracle came to Jacob as long as he thought that a distinctive anointing born to add could be taken away by an evil beast. Oh. Did somebody understand what I just said? Did somebody understand what I just said? Heaven never spoke or regarded anything. Of that man ever again until Joseph came back. God never spoke to him or through him. Heaven was silent. Why? Because, listen, God had appeared to their grandfather, Abraham. He told him, every seed that comes out of you shall be blessed. They shall be great nations upon the earth, he said to Abraham. Your seed is blessed. It's not cursed. Early death is a curse. Are you following what I'm saying? Then, he told Abraham, in Isaac, your son, not Ishmael, in Isaac, shall your seed be called? Now, if I call people, if I anoint people, if I want to set up an example, put a certain thing Represent me to build a monument of my covenant and promise to you. It shall be everything that comes out of Isaac. Isaac begets two. When Isaac begets two, Jacob becomes the choice. And by divine purpose, the blessing to come on Esau. Goes on the head of Jacob and God promises Jacob that the nations of the earth shall bow to him. How? In one lifetime? No. That was to be realized through his seed. I believe even though it's not written, the moment he set his eyes on Rachel, he knew that this was the womb to carry. The preservation of our posterity. Leah, yes, was given to him by Leban, but he always knew that Rachel. Because later on, Rachel even gives over her servant Bila. He sleeps with her. They have children, but he says this is not it. Ishmael, this is not it. Sorry. The other kids by Leah. Ishmael, Zebra. Is I'm talking of Jacob. Still, he doesn't find the answer. The moment Joseph comes out, he says, this is my first son. Because in the order of the spirit, I was to marry Rachel the Reubens are older, the naphtalis are older, but this is my son. This is my first son. And everyone has an assignment because he's producing 12 tribes. That is why you remember the issue of the blessing? Huh? After he had blessed his children, Jacob, the Bible says, and he blessed them all according to everyone's blessing. Huh? He blessed everyone according to his blessing. So there are blessings that are Tagged to your assignment. Naphtali is anointed differently from Reuben. Reuben is anointed different from Levi. You understand what I'm saying? Now let's go back to this. With everything God has told Jacob, he has seen a distinction on the preservation of their posterity. That's the thing that is calling him to fall in love and love this kid. Amin then love his sons the same, but there's something distinctive about this one. He knows what he's going to become. The promises spoken to his father, spoken upon him, the things he knows about Joseph. How do I know? Later on when he's speaking about his children. Huh? Remember the blessing he pronounces over Joseph? He says, Joseph is a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over. Next verse. And the archers have sorely grieved him. And shot at him and hated him the archers here you might think it's his brothers no scripturally speaking that's not his brothers because children in the bible are not archers they're arrows that's why the bible says happy is the man whose quiver is full of them so if i have time to teach i'll teach who the archers were the spirits behind the envy and jealousy the brothers carry i could teach about that one day let's go back to that He says, the archers have grieved him and shot at him and hated him. And his bow abhorred in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the almighty God of Jacob. From hence is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Eh, eh, eh. Jacob is the shepherd and stone of Israel. How can they kill a stone? How can a stone be killed by an evil beast? You get it? Next verse, verses 25. Even by the God of thy father... Who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the deep that lies under, the blessings of the breast and of the womb. Verses 26, the blessings of thy father, he says, have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors and to the most uttermost bound of everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of his head of him that was separated from his brethren. You know, it's even before, this is just a man speaking what Joseph was already And this is what Joseph was. Joseph was more anointed than all his progenitors. The anointing in his life. And Jacob would think that it would die under the jaw of a wild beast. Maybe let me help some of you. Let me get you from where you are. You mean God saved you this far to die in a car accident? (laughs) Are you following what I'm saying? Fearfully and wonderfully made. You mean God anointed you this far to die in the middle of your success? You mean God gave you breasts not to breastfeed it? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Why do you carry a womb? Listen to me and listen very clearly. For every woman who desires to give birth, I don't care the circumstance. I speak as a prophet of god you will bear children your mothers were barren the rituals were barren the layers were barren the sarahs were barren but it did not matter how barren they were they were married to men of covenant somebody shout amen until the bride of christ come on help me until the bride of christ stop Observing. Oh, two years. Stop observing. Three years. Stop observing. Just stick to your course. <laughs> I have a couple who will testify very soon. I just realized it was five years ago in birth. So, what's up? You so, said, Oh, you know, the doctors told us, la 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 la. I, you know, I took this guy to the doctor, they checked them, and they said, There's scientifically nothing that can get this people conceived. In my spirit, I said, What a lying vanity. I just told this lady, Come to office and carry my child. Carried my child three months as in prayer. The Spirit of Lord told me this is her month. She conceived. She conceived. She conceived. Because she was not a barren woman. <laughs> Did you get it? Because she was not a barren woman. I'm not a poor man. Come on, somebody. I'm not a sick person. Come on. Failure. Shout amen somebody. I'm not a survivor. Say it. (laughs) Blessed above all people. Blessed above. He said you're the head and not the tail. How can you fail in class? How can you be poor? You should be among the richest people. Should? No. You are among the richest people <laughs> you're a rich woman you're not just Rebecca you're a rich woman somebody shout hallelujah <laughs> let me show you the purposes of God this is the purposes of God in whatever circumstance of story you still see the end of the Lord listen go back to the portion of scripture before he says, his sons and daughters, Verses 35, rose up and comforted him. He refused to be comforted. He said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus the father wept for him. Verses 36, and the Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt and to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaohs and the captain of the guard. Same sentence. The father wept for many years for his son. Next verse. And they sold Joseph to Potiphar's house. You see the mind of God? You're weeping, but God's story is still continuing. You're saying, oh, I cannot have children, but he's already planning for their schools. I don't know who I'm talking to. You're saying, oh, I don't have a job, but he's already planning for your company. He's convicting people and positioning the right people for the products that one day you'll purchase overseas. Am I communicating to somebody? You're crying. I'm not yet married. Your grandchildren are already named. Oh! The next president of that nation is your grandchild. And you're here saying, oh, I can't have children. That's God's purposes. Continue to pursue you. Hey! Just me, but the word has just pushed some button in my spirit, says, switched on some adrenaline in my soul. The Bible says that the expectation of the righteous he says, For surely there is an end. Proverbs 23 verses 18. There is surely an end. This chapter could not end in Jacob weeping. Surely there is an end. This chapter didn't end in the tears of Jacob. It ended in the continuation of one whom he regarded dead. Tell your neighbor it's not now. I cannot die now. This is not my end. Bible says consider our brother this man of God called Job for we can see and have heard of his patience and have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy he lost children lost animals and the Bible says God gave him devil because that's how God works you have not lost you will never lose Tell your neighbour I will never lose. Say it again, I will never lose. In the name of Jesus. It might be delayed, but it is working. I might not see it yet, but it is working. I refuse to observe lying vanities. My marriage is working, say it. My children are growing right. My ministry is progressing. My businesses are going forward. I am healthy. I might not feel healthy yet, but I am healthy. In the name of Jesus. Whatever you protect is what you grow. Keep your confession, somebody. Tell your neighbor, I will not die before my time. Because he said with long life, he will satisfy me. And he shall reveal his salvation. If you hear that I'm in a car accident, that's not me. Somebody said hallelujah. But, somebody said, but what about those who were Christians and they died, they are not me. They're not me. In Psalms, he says, you shall not be afraid of the terror. Read the Amplified, 91 verses 5. Of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots of slanderers of the wicked that flies by day. No of the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Nor the destruction. Listen, and sudden death. that surprise. You will not die of a sudden death. Let me say it again. You will not die of a sudden death. You will not die of an untimely death. No helicopter crashes. No heart attacks. No, 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 no. Somebody shout amen Amen. Shout glory to God (laughs) Stop observing God's blood You're not going to make it You just say God's blood Your marriage will fail You just answer God's blood That's the answer Don't explain to them anything Satan has had it because he knew you attended the service. You will never make it in life. You simply say, God's blood. Don't add. You're not going far. God's blood. A certain man of God one time stood before people and said, the Apostle Grace by 2016 will be dead and funeral will be no more. God's blood. I wish one day he falls on this sermon. I, I, I- wish one day he meets this sermon to see 2023 I'm still preaching the gospel of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ refuse to die because of God's blood refuse to carry sorrow because of God's blood refuse to cancel your deals because of God's blood says for I know the thoughts that I have towards you thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an ex Expected end you will never build god's blood your marriage will never succeed god's blood nobody will sign that contract with you your ministry will not take off you will never receive your land you're suffering from an incurable disease we have a blood that speaks better things this is the blood of Jesus Christ it says I am free it says I am a conqueror it says I am a victor hey tell your neighbor the blood that begat me speaks better speaks better things I will not fail progressing every day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Greater is he who is in me, say it, than he which is in the world. I was purchased with a greater blood. I was not bought cheaply. I can't buy a cheap death. I can't produce cheap results. Say it. I'm not a shabby performer. God's blood, God's blood, God's blood, God's blood, God's blood, God's blood, blood. you will not die, God's blood, you will not fail, God's blood, witchcraft will not walk over you, God's blood, you must progress, God's blood, you must excel, the devil is a liar. Isaiah says, no more babies dying in the cradles. 65 verses 20. All people who don't watch, listen, enjoy what? A full lifetime. And he says, your 100th birthday will be considered. (laughs) Anything less, you will be like a cheat. (laughs) The blood of Jesus speaks better things. Jesus is the mediator of our new covenant and by his blood we stand the devil is in trouble speak to Jesus address that blood speaking yes, that God's blood speaking and claim the higher law I refuse to observe lying vanities refuse to follow what the machines are saying, what the results on that paper are saying. A mystery revealed through
0: love and sacrifice, not of my own, but of the Son. He came to me in peace and held me with his own. And said today, I found true love And said today, I found true love Speak!
1: your feeling. don't move by what the doctors have said don't move by the circumstances in your house don't observe anything the flesh gives you refuse to regard anything contrary to what the Word of God has said you are a conqueror you are a victor you are blessed you're going forward and not backward He says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through Him, I see you one year from now, two years from now, by this time next year. I see you in the next phase of your life in a greater glory, in a greater purpose, attained to high laws, aligned to deeper things in the mighty name of Jesus. The worst has already happened. The best is yet to come. What the enemy aimed for bad. Let me repeat the words of Joseph. My God will turn to good. In Jesus' mighty name. You have a great week ahead of you. A great month ahead of you. A great year ahead of you. A great decade ahead of you. A great lifetime. You're going to enjoy life in the years left ahead of you than you have ever in the years before. If you believe it, shout amen and celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Whatever was to kill Joseph saved many. Whatever came to kill you will save many. Thank you Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You're healed in your body. If you're sick, disease leaves. I won't mention its name. It knows itself. You'll not struggle. The barren will bring forth Next year, I will carry your child. Hallelujah. Your business is coming. Your promotion is here. Your partners are coming. Your destiny helpers are aligned. The gates and windows of the Spirit are open to advantage you and advance you to the next level. Don't doubt what God is going to do in your life. Somebody shout Amen. Now, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you say today, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins, said, and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior because you were raised for me to walk in the newness of life my name is written in the book of life and I will never be the same again.
0: at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multi-Purpose Hall. Fenero. Make manifest.